Hey there, I'm Ed Begley Jr. and I'm willing to do anything to help the planet. I fit my trash in a glove compartment, I recycle denim to insulate my house, and I love my wife. And I am Rochelle Carson Begley and I prefer to wear my denim, especially when someone is too cheap to turn on the heater. And I love Ed. In this episode, a very dear friend, actor and activist, Ed Asner, talked to us about living a life of passion on screen and off. Hello again, you're listening to another episode of Begley S. We're so excited for today's guest, but before we start, we want to mention that the day we're recording this very episode is No Tobacco Day. So if anyone has some smokes, this is not the time, certainly not the place. I wonder if people who smoke will actually abide by No Tobacco Day. That doesn't usually happen. (laughs) I would be very impressed if it did. We also want to share a few questions we got from a listener, Eric, who emailed us and said, Hey, Ed and Rochelle, I want to let you know that Begley-esque has been a welcome addition to my podcast rotation. The subject matter is right up my alley. Most people wouldn't describe recycling as a hobby, but I'm that type of cat. The people around me often say, when they see my green practices, that nothing goes to waste, and I do my best via example to influence others to do what's right for the planet. Even recently, I finally attempted my first vegetable garden. So I love hearing you talk about solar energy, carbon emissions, and all the other topics that are part and parcel reducing our footprint. So with that all being said, I have a few questions for you I'd like to run by. Oh, okay. Years ago, Penn & Teller did an episode of their Showtime show, Bullshit, about recycling, which I think was in part itself bullshit. Have you seen that episode? If so, how do you respond to their criticisms of recycling, such as it costs more money to actually recycle than create goods from scratch? What that particular episode was about was, I think, paper. And so that can be cumbersome. What they try to do, you know, there are some money-losing operations in recycling. The big cash cow is aluminum, of course. Aluminum is the cash cow because it's much cheaper to mine aluminum in the alleys and the streets of America from, you know, curbside programs and from drop-off centers than to go to Jamaica, mine the bauxite, do the thing and refine and make new aluminum. It just, it's better, aluminum's better, and several other things are. So having been said, uh, there are paper programs. Paper is very heavy. There's not a big market for it. Well, wait a minute. When there- I was growing up, we had paper sales. Remember when you had, maybe it was in my era, that you would have a paper They did. Drive. They would collect newspapers. Newspaper. They did that in my age too, honey. Did they? And, uh, but it was never a big money maker. But why did they do it then? They would recycle the fiber, but it, to de-ink the newspaper, for instance, you've got to take the ink out if you're going to use that paper. And it always goes down to a lower grade, you know, like the paper that I buy at, at Staples that is 100% post-consumer recycled. It comes from those kinds of paper, paper pickup things, but paper is very heavy and per pound. But that's not bullshit. I mean, it's not... No, I mean, it I don't just think it doesn't make money. And so what they're looking at, there's a lot of municipalities that spend a lot of money on doing it. And then people come by and they're urban miners that take out all the aluminum, the the stuff that has a lot of value. So all you're left with in the city of L.A. and the city of Berkeley and other places is mostly cardboard and paper. So what they're saying, and they made a whole episode on throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, I don't think that there are money losing operations in recycling. They are correct. But uh, exactly, you still, who wants a landfill near them? Nobody I've ever met. So right. you can't throw things away. Where is away? You've got to reuse things, I think. I think Penn and Teller's episode was bullshit. Okay, there you well, are. That's my verdict. Okay, go on, continue. Okay. 
On the subject of recycling, he says, it's my feeling that offices have to be the leading contributors to landfills with garbage of all kinds, especially plastic water bottles, being thrown together in regular garbage bags for disposal. No sorting to speak of. Do you think companies that breed mealworms for pet stores to be eaten by reptiles should be commissioned to distribute mealworms to be let loose in landfills since they eat plastic? It may take them a long time to make their way through, but it might be a sound idea for helping reduce the waste in landfills. I think the, the best thing we can do to, uh, to help with recycling is to do pre-cycling to make less waste. That's number one. Right. Number two, recycle everything that we can. And there's been talk about worms that eat plastic. I've seen it. I saw it on some program and on TV. I hope that works in the long run. But still, we want to eliminate as much single-use plastic because very little of it makes it into any kind of recycling these, program. And then we have and not all of it makes it into the landfills. It's blown right. out into the lakes and rivers and streams and the oceans. Well, we know it definitely gets into the ocean. But the mealworm whole concept of that, putting those in landfills, I just had this image of the mealworms taking over the planet. Okay, that's. I, I don't think I they're going to take over. They the could. Planet. It would they be funny. It would be a horror film, you know. Anyway, but they can eat honey. things. They can eat plastic. They can eat apparently. things, but you don't want to just make more. And then you've got the mealworm poop that's going to be high in oh, plastic content. Oh, I never thought about the poop. You know, so. Oh, that's right. You're not going to get rid of the polymers. They don't really go away. They get broken down, but then you've got plastic dust everywhere. And we need someone to and, consume the poop. Now, number three, he says. And uh, this is very interesting to read. My only disappointment with the podcast so far was the first episode with Jeff Goldblum because Transylvania 6-5000 wasn't even mentioned. Ed and Jeff had great chemistry, and it's a movie I really enjoyed as a kid. So my question is, Ed, do you consider your face being stuffed between Gina Davis's breast to be your career highlight? Absolutely. First I think of all, it's, that yeah. is a high point for me. I think it's your life highlight. It is my life highlight. At least she got some breasts. Exactly. Because that's not what I have. But, no, but uh, uh, we did talk po- about... I thought we talked we about... We did. Trans- we must have talked about it when we were off the mic, I this guess. This is how... Yeah. We have to learn not to do that. Yeah, maybe... Yeah. Uh, maybe we were just we learning. About forgive us. after. So <laughs> forgive us for not talking about it on mic, if that's indeed what happened. Jeff and I both revere that film. We talk about it often. It's a very funny, campy, fun movie, and glad to be part Did of it. Did you your really youth. put? Your, I can't recall that. Maybe I've blocked it. Blocked it out. That you uh, put your. A motorboat? What did you do with uh, put I your face I think I did. Uh, I, I got buried in the beautiful breast. Gina Davis, so I'm a very lucky man wow, you are. for all my days. Well, hey, so, I even, I even you know, will sign off on that one. So Thanks for reading, says Eric, and keep up the good work. Thank you, Eric, for the interesting questions. We love hearing from you all, so send us any stories or questions here at begleyesque at gmail.com. Find us on social media at begleyesque. And I have with me my dear friend, a man I've loved for many decades, the wonderful yeah, yeah, yeah. and very lifelike Ed Asner. Yay! Hi, hi, hi. You so, were, so you, happy to be with you and your friends. You were great in that play, that Ed Weinberger play that was very funny. Two Jews Talking on a Bench. What was it called? It was wonderful. It's called Two, Two Jews, Jews Talking, talking on, on a bench. bench. Really wonderful. And the ladies were great, too. It was Sally Struthers. Two and, ladies uh, talking. June Squibb. June Squibb, the fabulous June Squibb, an Academy Award nominee, oh if I remember. Oh, my God, right. there's so you're much not, to talk about you're with You're not Ed. just an, a nominee, you're a winner. You've won how many Emmys? 27? I didn't win an Academy Award. But you should have. Mm. For Can't JFK, have among other things. Oh. You were wonderful in JFK. You're wonderful in everything. You're wonderful in Roots. Mary Tyler Moore is when I first mm. fell in love with you, a love that has endured decades. Even though we worked in Europe together, you're still speaking. And I still think of how. Uh, Debbie Reynolds' daughter. Uh, oh, Carrie Fisher, dear yeah. Carrie. 
How uh, she and Paul Simon were an item then. They, they were, were in England. Yes. And you were going to the theater with them. That's correct. Your memory is very good. And uh, I think I must have said, I'd like to go with you. And you inquired, and you found out that they didn't want me with them. What? No, I think they just didn't have a ticket. Did they really not want you there? No, I don't know. I didn't talk to them. No, no. no. I think they couldn't get another ticket. I could have made your evening so much more enjoyable. (laughs) You would have. You (laughs) always do. Yeah. We spent um, another Rochelle evening. Rochelle told me that. Yeah. yeah we yeah, spent yeah. another evening together at the Jewish Film Festival, you and I, which you had a wonderful film called Super Sex. Is that mm. the title? Soup or Sex, isn't it? Well, Super. you don't ruin the joke oh, by saying it like that. God damn it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus. We can, we can edit, right? Sound good? <laughs> well, no, I guess it's too late. You married her. I did, didn't I? <laughs> I married above my station, didn't That's I? That's for sure. Well, I won't go that far. <laughs> By the way, what, what is your station? My station is Pennsylvania or Transylvania, 65,000. I can't remember. Yeah, it's Begley-esque today. Begley-esque, so We probably yeah. should get back to... I'm doing this to curry favor with my wife. She wants <laughs> right. to do a podcast. And you think she's one bit grateful that we're doing this? Oh, Does like she to... like you? Do I like Not him? Not really. Not at all. Do I like she him? I tolerate me. him. No, I like him. I wouldn't. Have you you just a... tolerate him for the sex. That's right. right. Yeah. Soup or sex? Don't make me decide. Well, and yeah. the, that green liquid over there tells you what she's interested in lately. It's soup. <laughs> not, I made a lovely pea that. soup. I don't know. I don't like you it. made it. I do. I'm the cook in the house. She doesn't cook much. She has other skills. You do. She's very funny. She's a great actress. Keep it. That Whoa! Way. Did he? Re- did you record that? Can you? She's a wonderful actress. Say it she's into hysterically the mic, funny. And she knows more about the human body, the skeletal system, the muscu- muscular groups, not muscular That's groups, the really muscle groups. You're very uh, <laughs> that accomplished in 250 will get you physiology. on the subway. Okay, yeah. But let's get back well, to Ed. Maybe I won't have to go see the urologist after this. You won't. She <laughs> yeah. can perform an exam right now as oh, we're recording God, the podcast. Ed, this is so off subject. I can't even... What, can... you don't want to examine me? <laughs> well, I'm... That would be the highlight of my life. I don't know that I could. It live. would be. I it would can be. Sure you. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I'm just. Gonna... Look, he likes my olive tapenade, honey. He's going back for seconds. I know. I wonder how that's going to sound on a podcast. Eat it really loud. It's going to sound great. This is reality, mm. honey. I'm Imagine give... that—a real conversation I'm with real sounds. I'm going to actually give our listeners mm. a. <laughs> if I can mm. get through it, I'm just going to give them a little bio. Okay, ooh, just ooh. a little. Ed Asner bio. Ed Asner don't I need no bio. No, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. Okay. Like everything else. So in the background of the moans is coming from this incredible uh, actor, Ed Asner. Sex. A versatile, committed, eloquent, talented, mm. or all the adjectives that describe actor, activist, eight-time mm. Emmy uh, winner. award winner, Ed Asner, starred as Carl Fredrickson? Mm-hmm. Oh, for, I should know that. In Pixar's 2009 box office. Wait a second. Oscar- Stop right now. Fredrickson is hard for you to well, pronounce. It, it You're having trouble with Fredrickson. It's a little funny. This I is don't not know. Huguenot Balloon. You know, Lipschitz Timothy La <laughs> This is Fredrickson. No Jesus one's going to be Christ. able to follow what you're saying. Anyway, People are following me is, just fine. I have ADD and you're, you're making I fun have of this M-A-D-D. disabled right now. <laughs> I'm just mad at you right now. <laughs> so anyway, the bottom line is you were in this picture. I have picture. R&D. R&D. She's, she's been R&D. running mad. What's Do you know R&D? she's been part of mad for years? Mothers Against Dyslexia. Oh, oh no, it's damn, actually. It's damn. Oh, D-A-M. my God, you just blew your own joke. I did, didn't I? Jeez, don't... 
What is it? Daughters against what? The DRA. Damn, it's D-A-M. It's Mothers Against Dyslexia. Except and I screwed it up. It right. <laughs> okay, I'm glad That's you're entertained. Cute. I like Thank that. Thank you very yeah. much. Okay, but I'm Try trying to talk yeah. about Ed. Okay, let's he was spend in some up. time talking remember about the, Remember that That Pixar's was one of the great up. movies, up. and I'm not even going to say no, one of the great absolutely. animated. Put it in any category. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. It yep. really is. Mm-hmm. It stands up in every category. Mm-hmm. Very meaningful. The first 15 minutes of that I mean, movie, there's not a bit of dialogue. You go in right. the story, and then you, Ed, you're just wonderful in it. Everybody's wonderful in it. But he's so not good. only he's the recipient for eight Emmy Awards. I mean, who gets eight Emmy Awards? You I didn't get one. Didn't. I was nominated <laughs> six times. I didn't get a one. Oh, I've never even been to the wow. party, so you, get, you beat me. There are many famous people like you. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're going to get a little I, history I here. can't remember who they are. I yeah, can't exactly. either. The woman they from the matter. soap opera, they you know, matter. she finally got one, I think. Yeah. God. So you've done so much in your lifetime, but you have no, there are no I signs that you, you. stop. <laughs> well, there, there, you know, there's always a yet. The afternoon is yeah. young. Yes, it's yet. So I don't think you're stopping anytime soon. The sun has waned. Yes. How have you managed to stay so physically alert and, and handsome? Oh, my God. Yes, how have you done that? Aren't she you supposed to be, to be like able to with... respond after picking myself up off the floor? <laughs> she used ah. to say things like that to me, Ed. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you have deteriorated. <laughs> I have. Mm. I'm crumbling right as we're doing this show. But I, I never thought you'd lose your hair. Really? I know. I have beautiful waving hair. Yeah, it's waving, it's waving goodbye. goodbye. That's right, baby. It's waved goodbye. But not only as an actor, not only as an eight-time Emmy award-winning actor, you are a monumental activist. I mean, you. When we look at activism, not in, like your hubby. No, honey, you're bigger than him. Come oh, on, come on. We're not talking about sex. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> you're right. Okay. Um, no, you you are committed to. You know, if there's a cause, we ask Ed. To, Asner to come, he comes, he shows yeah, up. Yeah. And important causes. I knew nothing about Central America until you got involved and uh, educated us all about what was going on there. I didn't know a thing about it, and you've taken that on and so many important things, Ed. Hats and, off now, to you. and now Donald Trump is going to ruin it all. Yeah. We live in an extraordinary time, don't we? Isn't it amazing? Oh, my God. I'm 67. I never thought I'd see anything like this. I thought we were growing and growing. And then you see what is a nation. People are now, you know, doing more than ever all these crimes, hate crimes and slitting people's throats in the metro in Portland. It just people are emboldened now to do odd things and bad things. And uh, it's unfortunate. I mean, who leaves the Paris Accord? He's withdrawing from the Paris Accord. Yeah, the climate change Paris Accord. Crazy. well, I think I think it's probably good for Europe, maybe not economically, but at least it'll give them, it'll inspirit them. It will to be on their own. You mean? Yeah, yeah. Inspire them because we've say, sort of yeah. They, they'll be able to say, "Screw you, U.S." So you think he has a point? He's giving them. We've no, sort of, I don't no? think he has a point. Yes, it's yeah, point. it's on his head. But the, he's saying good will come from it. The people right. in Europe, Angela, Angela Merkel, and right. others will. You know, they will take a greater leadership position in the void, I think. And the French guy is standing up, too. Yeah. Yeah, Marcon. she gave him a ha- good yeah. handshake the other day. But, um, so what is what is your cause du jour today? What do you, what's, I mean, other than a political, if, if there is such a thing? Well, I'm leaving tomorrow to stand the grilling and testing 
for the book that I wrote with Ed Weinberger. The, Are we talking about that? The Grumpy Historian, the Grouchy Historian. Great. That's yeah. a great title, first yeah. of all. Ed Weinberger, the... Mm -hmm. uh, He's a very funny man. He's the guy who wrote the play we just saw him and in. And he wrote many, many times. I, many I times. thought of an alternative title, which I think would work as well, which is uh, Two Jews from the Edges. Two Jews from the... And, and explain. I mean, I well, know what Jews from the mean, East but... Coast. I'm from, from, the, the, oh. from the Midwest. Now, of course, I regard myself as a Californian. Yes, well, we, yes. we claim you. We've yeah. had you here a few decades, haven't yes, we? Yes, we have. So you're going to do sort of a, a tour of some kind? Or on Me? The book? Yeah. No, just, just a, a question and answer from... And where will you do this? New York. And what's the Great. premise of the book? The premise of the book is to dress down the strict originalists on the Constitution. Wow, that, that's pretty to heavy. To tell the people how full of shit they are. <laughs> I can't wait to see this. You and Ed Weinberger. That's a must see But right I'm sure away. there'll be some laughs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ed's a very Good. funny you guy. Had, you can always so you, you can do anything Ed's. if you do it with a little humor, right? Right, Eddie? Mm -hmm. That's yes. how we've managed to stay married, isn't it? I uh, think the so. little humor. So I know you've been, you were involved deeply with, uh, or deeply isn't the word, but extensively with autism and awareness with autism. Yes, mommy. Yes, which is, to my, I believe is on the rise. Um, you do? Yeah, I do believe it's on the rise. Oh and I really think Or is the element of discovery increased more? That, that's a you know, chicken or the egg. I don't know. But I think with all the changes in the environment... Our water, our air, our food. Well, it falls into, into your, your category. Yes. My son, Matthew, who is vice president of Autism. Autism Speaks? Uh, no. Um, There's another one. You're right. Forgive me. Society. Autism right. Society. I love Matt. And he's wonderfully effective there. He's done very well for Autism Speaks and now for the Autism Society. And he thinks it's the atmosphere that we live in. The uh, toxins the, and the environmental challenges. It's literally yeah. changing the DNA. The, I think it is. I mean, that makes sense. Or who say something, vaccines, whatever. I mean, I don't know. I don't you, think it's vaccines, okay? Well, maybe it's what's in uh, it. Mr. Kennedy. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. okay. I don't know that it's not that, but I don't know that it is that. But I think there's a, something. It doesn't help. It doesn't no. help. No. I mean, vaccines. We need. All right, let me just. Restate. We, I believe in vaccines. All my children have been vaccinated. I've been vaccinated. Right. It's just the other. It's the thimerosal that may have a reaction. Yeah. And it yes. Be, it's the straw yes. that breaks the camel's back. Haven't they replaced that. that by now? No, they haven't. They still you would haven't. think they would. You would think they in would. In some, but they, they have. Haven't. They haven't done it in all. I not in the MMR. No, they have not. And so you would think that that would happen. It, if there was even a doubt, why don't they just you know replace it? But, well, because they don't have anything equal to it. I guess so. To do its job. Right. So I guess that's why. I don't know. I haven't kept up on that particular area. But uh, as everybody has constantly brought up the fact that uh, the people who die from the three maladies, diseases, that the vaccines fight off or prevent, uh, the death toll is also high there. Right. Higher. Or you don't die from autism. And uh, I think it's better to have the vaccine. Well, I know. I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't have vaccines. Don't get me wrong at all. I am definitely 
Uh, my daughter was vaccinated, and so I do believe in them. I just my know that there's room for improvement. Yeah, you've been ahead. vaccinated. There's room for improvement. But that's not, oh, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I know that you've been very involved with that. I don't think you'll see it in Trump's lifetime. No, but um, so you were talking about being from the Midwest. Where are you from? In Kansas the Midwest? City, correct? I Kansas. Let him answer. He knows where he's from. Can I chime in? I know no, some of these I things. No, but it's Kansas City, Kansas. That's right. Not, not Kansas Missouri. City, Missouri. Right. That's an important distinction. Oh, it was for me because though we were dwarfed by Kansas City, Missouri, <laughs> um, I took great pride in the fact that Kansas was a free state as opposed to Missouri being a slave state. Oh, really? Correct. Oh, yeah. Well, a little education there I did not know. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, now Kansas, in the meantime, has gone into the dumper as a state. It has. Uh, well, they lowered taxes on the wealthiest, hoping they'd spread it around, and mm-hmm. everything went broke. Imagine that. Yes. That governor they have, what's his name? I can't remember. Yeah. We've He's a conveniently schmuck. forgotten. Um, they did it also in Louisiana, two states where they decided they lowered taxes on the wealthiest, hoping trickle-down again would work. Pr- somehow they just don't want to let go of their money, huh? And here in California, where we have high taxes on the wealthiest and what have you, and strong environmental laws, imagine that. We're doing very well here in this state, fiscally mm-hmm. and in every way. Mm-hmm. How'd that happen? Mm-hmm. So, Ed, you're from Kansas City, Kansas. Kansas. Mm-hmm. Did you always have an interest in the underdog? Did you always have a sort of activism? Were you born an activist? Well, I, I don't know if I did. Both my sisters were social workers. Oh, that helps. Our daughter Hayden is going. Hayden, I love you. Call Bye, me Hayden. Later. Write if you need money. Um, <laughs> Write Ed Asner if you need money. Exactly. <laughs> um, you see, uh, we, uh, up until I was in the second grade, we lived across the street from Warmer's Packing House. And all my early life saw nothing but packing house workers, mm-hmm. which my mother's side of the family all had worked in. Packing house being like a, a stock? Okay. Armors. Armors. armors, the you know, like armors. Farmer John Armors. I don't know what that means, but it's okay. You've you never heard of the meat armors? company Armors? No. Armors is the name of a meat company. My God. Okay. All right. I'm, le- I'm learning so much here, like, folks. This is why I want Yeah, don't like choke Eliza it. Like Eliza Doolittle and Henry Higgins. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Armors was across the street, and it dominated. We lived in what is called the West Bottoms, mm-hmm. which was off the river, mostly populated by Slovaks, Honkies, Mexicans, and a smattering of blacks. And um, I saw the blood and heard the cries of the animals as they were being driven across the covered boardwalk leading into the packing house Mm. from the stockyards. Mm -hmm. I heard the plaintive cries as they followed the Judas goat into the... God, this is so sad. <laughs> wow. Oh you don't know what the Judas goat no, is? No, it's re- a real thing. It's really a goat mm-hmm. that it's leads a goat them... that leads them into... They follow the goat into the packing house. Well, one should know. If you're going to eat meat, you should know. Yep. I agree. 
That's a good name too, isn't it? Judas, Judas goat. goat. That's a good name for a play, mm. or or a life, or a marriage, yeah. for that matter. No, I don't know. So they would follow in, and I, I saw all the blood on the, on the white, uniforms or whatever they wore to, shield themselves from the, the blood. All my relatives worked there, and um, then they they sprang free. So as a child, up until the second grade, at my father's junkyard, which was across from Armour's, I witnessed all the people who worked at the packing house. Mm. And I later heard and you know, came, came to understand that from the whites who worked in the packing house, that you automatically inculcated a brutishness, a coldness that uh, the story was told to me that kids who went to a Catholic high school and the one guy worked there in the summers and he came home and the little kids in the block wanted him to do something with him and he said no no I can't I want to lie down and they come come on come on and they, they got persistent and finally he shoved one and he went ass over teacup. And he realized that his daily activity in the packing house had created this brutal aspect to right. him. Right, if the animal won't go in the chute, you gotta shove it, it yeah. just won't respond, yeah. yep. Yeah, so. You became an uh, actor? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, so I witnessed all that, I yeah. became aware of it. Wow. I, my two sisters affected me. My father and mother were good people. My father was tough but good. Were they born here? No. So were you born into a Jewish family? Yeah. So how was that in Kansas City, Kansas? Well, it was... It was, there was a lot K- of Jewish... Kansas City kids. was good to the yeah, Jews. Yeah, there were a lot of... Yeah, my yeah, friends we had, there. There was one Jewish butcher. I talk about a monopoly. I, mm-hmm. I'm surprised he didn't soak us. <laughs> but uh, uh, we had two... Aunts, I had an, uh, a cousin and an aunt, each who had dairy farms in what is now the bedroom community for Kansas City, both Kansas cities, Johnson County. And uh, they had dairy farms there, and we got our milk from one of them, my father's sister. I was chased by a herd of cows there once mm. when I went out there with a friend with the folks and took our Scotty with us. And it must have been calving time because the cows evidently knew the dogs from the farm, but they didn't know this little black creature running around. And they got up and they started mooing and mowing and And they started coming at us. They're coming after the dog, though, really, not you. But you were with the dog. After the dog, yeah. And and she thought we were having fun, so she began running around in circles. Sure, sure. Yeah, having fun. And uh, she had a defective hip so that her running stopped very shortly. And the cows were going to catch up to us. So my friend had a knife, a pocket knife. And he was busy jabbing it into the side of the lead cow who was trying to hook my doggie 
with his her horn, or maybe I was jamming it into the nose. I think that was oh, it. God. And he was kicking her in the ribs. And the other cows were coming up, and I realized this was a futile effort. So I picked her up and ran to a fence and dumped her over the fence. And everything was fine. But there was a cow on the other side of the fence. <laughs> oh, my God. And as soon as I did that, she got up and went, <laughs> So she came after my dog. I picked up my dog again, ran to another fence that was free of cows, and uh, we survived. Is that when you decided you wanted to be an actor? Yeah. <laughs> no, the cow didn't believe me. No, I, I, I never decided I wanted to be an actor until I got on stage. I loved to get on stage no matter what happened, but I never thought of acting as a way of life. Well, how did you become an actor then? I mean, it didn't happen on a farm in, you know, a dairy farm no, in Kansas. No, I did radio in high school, and I loved radio. Radio shaped me. My dad, too. He loved radio, and he did a lot of radio. It shaped I him. I loved radio. Loved it. It, uh, it incorporated everything, and you, mm-hmm. you could take the greatest flights of fancy with radio. So I did radio in high school, but I never thought of it as a career. Went to the University of Chicago, Wanted to get through college as quickly as possible. My roommate from Newark, New Jersey, was in the theater group, which was all extracurricular. So he came bustling home one day, and he said, uh, you're going to summer school, and the summer production is going to be Murdered in the Cathedral by T.S. Eliot. Mm. Uh, Check it out and read for it. You can do any of the roles in it. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went to the audition and uh, took a girlfriend there that I wanted to impress. Very smart. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, the balls were up in high places. Yep. And, you know, really coming. That's why I went to Valley College to study yeah. acting. I, yeah. There was women there. Ah, uh-huh. sure, sure. Yeah, well, there were women at the University of Chicago. Sure. Yeah. Some of them needed a shave. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, yeah, in the 60s, we had, there was a lot of that. There was the Clydesdale look was very popular. Oh, you sexist back in the little day. piglet. Okay. All right, so carry on, Ed. So I, I read for the play, and they uh, bannered and bannered and bannered, and finally they, uh, they said, okay, uh, do the lead. And I did Thomas and Beckett. And uh, we had a women's chorus, and I started my first affair in life with one of the ladies of the chorus. And it, it kind of was a double whammy. Theater, the lead in the theater, mm-hmm. and the lady of the chorus. So I became dedicated to theater. Of course, <laughs> who wouldn't? The rest of my life. Very pure, artistic, and yes, right. It was Go ahead. about the women, all about the girls. Right. Yeah. Okay, so you were in high school, you were in theater, but then how did you get to Hollywood, Ed? Oh, yeah. I decided to stay legit. I took my reviews from Chicago, from the theater that I had been with, ran to New York with them, hoping to stun the employers and producers there. So I walked the streets of New York for almost six years, while I was doing Three Penny Opera in the village. Mm. Working my way up slowly in TV with uh, the Sunday morning shows, and then graduating into um, 
what the hell was the name of that CBS show at the time? The one that Defenders became. Um, yeah, there was so many great shows, like there was the Craft Theater, Philco Playhouse. Yeah, all I did those. one Craft. GE. Uh, all live theater on film, on TV, uh, right? Did you ever know oh. her, hit Ed uh, Jr. here, Dad, Ed no, Sr.? No, I never did. I always liked him. He was a fascinating specimen. He was, wasn't he? Yeah. And learned in radio as you did. He loved radio and did a lot of it and kind of honed his craft there. First of all in Hartford, then he came to New York and did that. He had a great voice. He did. And I saw one of those old craft theater things. It was patterns, him and Richard Kiley as Everett Sloan. And boy, was it good. It held up really, really well. Yeah. I saw Kiley. What did I see him in? Richard see him on, Broad- on Broadway. Mm-hmm. He was out of this world. The Man of La Mancha before that? Yes. Man of La Mancha. No. No, I saw Ferrer do Man of La Mancha. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, of course, he acted the hell out of it, but um, could, didn't sing it. Right. Couldn't sing it. Did you do uh, musicals? You did Three Penny. I did Three Penny, yeah. It's the only musical I've ever done. It's fun, isn't it? Oh, it's a, well, he's, the, he's the, the greatest playwright in the world. He's as worthy as Shakespeare, mm. Bertolt Brecht. Yeah, he's yes. pretty out there. I just saw a Brecht play in, uh, in France, in French. It was, a you little, did? it was a little difficult to understand. Yeah, I would think so. <laughs> but yeah, he was a, but But Jerry penny. Orbach was, was in the production, John Aston. Wonderful Lottie actors. Lottie Lenya. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, Scott Merrill. Joe Wilder, a lot of great people. So you went. People. So you were in New York, pounding the pavement for six years, which mm. does, seems like nothing. Okay, and then you did you ever do Broadway? Is that how you? Yeah, I finally did Broadway, <sighs> uh, and I, I did Broadway. Was disappointed in the results. What was the play? I can't remember. That that memorable of an experience. Oh yeah, it was. It was good stuff, but I don't uh, revere Broadway. I came to California because I'd done Naked City a couple of times. What a good show that was. Yeah, great acting. Yes. Is that a show that was done here? In New York. York. Oh, it was in, okay. But they did one show, which I came out here to do, with Paul Burke. Uh, We were uh, taking two brothers... Anyway, was Horace Bob, McMahon in that show? He was in Naked City. Oh, yeah, City. yeah, yeah. Bobby Blake and Frank Sutton mm. were the two brothers. Wow. Really? And while I'm in the courtroom with them, as is Paul Burke, they steal a deputy's gun, which happens quite often, I guess, shoot their way out of there. And then they start to shoot, and uh, I got shot, so I, I couldn't take part in the hunt and chase. But Paul Burke did, and he finally, they finally kill Frank Sutton and uh, capture Bobby Blake. Hallelujah. So he takes Bobby Blake back to New York to stand trial. So I, I did that show while we were in California. And I loved California. First, I called my wife, Nancy, and I said, um, I think I want to stay another week and check out the scene here. And she said, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. And, 
After the week, I called her and I said, I think I want to move here. And she said, oh, shit. <laughs> so we sublet our apartment on 16th and 3rd. And my mother and brother bought us a new Impala. Mm. And we hired packers after we rented a 14-foot U-Haul to attach to the Chevy. And there's still about a 1,000 pounds left over. So uh, we had Mayflower do it, take the rest of it. And there wasn't a piece of furniture that wasn't scarred or scraped. Okay, so Mayfair's never going to advertise on our show. I guess. Poetry and moving, but yeah. not. Yeah. They paid us, but uh, I found it very disgusting. Okay. But not a, not a chip in the 14-foot U-Haul stuff. We're all there. So you're a better mover than Mayfair is what you're trying to yeah, say. Okay. Yeah. Well, the Packers did a great job. Oh. Now, I did find out, the was it Face of a Hero? Was that the name of the play? No. There okay. was a the predecessor. Oh, Return of the, Engagement? Oh, wait a minute. Yes. What? There was Face of a Hero. Okay. Then, face of a Hero. Look at her and her smartphone, your device. Face, you can do that face very of a clever. Hero. And I then I much, did Born Yesterday, and then I did... Born and yesterday, you're perfect Grace. for that. I've been on Broadway three times. Who did you do Born Yesterday with? Who was a female? Madeline Kahn. Oh, oh my wonder. gosh, you're so lucky. I wish I had seen that, yeah. the two okay. of you. All right, so we're, we got the... But anyway, so yeah. I, okay. I, I went, and what I said when I finally moved to California was, there, there's a lot of hypocrisy in California, but I also said there's a lot of hypocrisy on Broadway. Yep. And I said... The difference is, in California, they blow smoke up your ass. And that made it better. It made it better. Th- <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. And the weather's better. Oh, We God, love yeah. the weather here. My, our first night, we rented an apartment above a garage on an estate. And there's a large avocado tree with its branches right next to our second floor apartment. And I had never watched TV because I'd been on stage in New York all the time. So we would sit there, Nancy would cook dinner, or we'd sit and I'd watch TV for the first time. I'd watch The Honeymooners. Great show. Yeah. And it's one night, there's a lot of noise out there. Avocados dropping. Avocados, yeah. And we knew it was something. So we crept up to the window to look out and there were two raccoons, raccoons lying on their back in the bow of the tree, <laughs> feasting, just gorging on avocados. And we were just delighted. And I, we're home. Yeah, that's great. And just last night, last night it was, I'm sitting there at my desk, and it's next to the door to that office and all over here I hear a deep deep growl Mm -hmm. I said what the hell is that I look over and it's my Siamese cat and she's staring at the door and she's going I said my god and I look over at the door there's a coyote right in the backyard right up at the door 
right yep. here, and you you live kind of in my neighborhood. Yeah, don't you? you betcha. Yeah, in, they're wow. they're bold. Yeah, and I, I couldn't uh, the chutzpah. Yeah. Chutzpah. I said, Get out of here. He fled. Now you don't have to deal with that in Manhattan, do you? That no, you know, third, no. 18th and third. Just drunks. Yeah, a little different. Yeah. So okay, so you were watching TV and you thought, I want to do that. Oh well, <laughs> I yeah well that, that that goes without saying. Yeah. I certainly wanted to do that, and eventually, um, I, I had one series, which starred Richard Crenna. Great actor. And, I met him. Wonderful guy. Nice guy. Not Slattery's people. Yeah. Jesus Christ, I think we might have met. I hung out in the set of Slattery's people. Oh, My dad really? did an episode, and yeah. I was on the set hanging out. I was this little kid probably bothering you two and bothering Richard yeah, Crenna. And they let me use, there was a little Obi light in the front of the camera back then, the Mitchell BNC, that camera they used for everything. And you'd dim it down with the camera dollied in closer so it wouldn't flare up. And you'd, you know bring it back up when the camera moved away and they let me do that in a few shots. Mm. I remember that like it was yesterday. Hope Slattery's people. That was a good show. Right. I forgot you were in it. You were wonderful in Slattery's no, people. No, I left early. Oh, you I did? I left early, yeah. They, they gave me this job and, uh, you know. But you did a few episodes, right? Oh, I did, yeah, yeah. I was the veteran Capitol Hill reporter in Sacramento. And, uh, I, you know, we're going along and I'm I do a little smattering of a scene here, smattering of a scene there. I said, what the hell good am I? And what I realized then is he was the conscience of the show, which should have been my job right, as the editor or the veteran reporter. But there, there was no space for me to fill. Right. So I realized that there was no growth. Bing Crosby Productions... Right, wow. And, uh, and I, I finally said, because I had been enjoying my freelance activity in Hollywood. And I said, well, yeah, I think I'd like to leave. You said that? And that was, was that your very first series? And you said you just didn't want to have, wow, that was, that's balls. And, and Jack Fields, my agent, wasn't eager to let, to let me go. But... Um, Sid Gold, whose agency it was, said, right, listen, you worked before, you'll work after this. Go ahead, go ahead. We'll, we'll try to get you out. So they were very nice to me, and they said, okay, we'll let you go as long as you agree to come back at the same money to do whatever scripts we have featuring you. Well, they had one in the hopper right. where I got put in jail. It's a very important script, privileged information and all that. And I said, fine. And I would have paid them to do that role. Right. Yeah. So I eventually did that for them at that money, and I was free. Freedom. And what did you do next? Just a lot of freelance? Just more freelance. Yeah. More what kind of shows? Oh, God, I can't remember. Oh, okay, I want to know. When, did, when you got married, Tyler Moore, did you yeah. know it was going to change your career? Only when I saw the scripts, yeah, and I realized that they, they were the best scripts I'd I'd been identified with, the best I'd ever seen. James mm -hmm. L. Brooks. Who else was uh, writers on? Alan Burns. Alan Burns. Yeah, and uh, David Lloyd. Yes, David Lloyd. What wonderful writers! Yeah, Ed Weinberger. Ed Weinberger, the great Ed Weinberger. Mm -hmm. You just worked mm -hmm. with again in that yeah. wonderful play. So that was an incredible ensemble. 
I mean, yeah. you don't get those on songs. In the office and in front of the camera, right. both. Yeah. Amazing. Great, great people sure. on both sides. And then sides. you went on to do, obviously, your own show, Lou Grant. So mm-hmm. you were the... So you another and great Walden, ensemble. That was but, a great show. I love that show. I, I think that pound for pound, our, our cast in Lou Grant was as great, if not greater, than Mary Tyler Moore. It was a great... What was the lady who was the publisher that Mar- uh, uh, Nancy Marchand. Nancy. Nancy Marchand. Mrs. Oh, Pinchot. Wow. Oh, yeah. was she wonderful. Who later and became Tony Soprano's that's mother. That's right. Correct. That's right. And Robert Walden was in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just Jack the, Bannon. Yes. Yes. Wonder but that was more of a drama. Oh, sure. Yeah. When you, I mean, Mary Tyler Moore was a comedy. I'll tell you a story about that. So we, we're starting... Mary Tyler Moore was a half-hour comedy with an audience of 300, three cameras. And we shift over to do Lou Grant, which is an hour show, drama, but with some humor. Yes. So we started, and uh, uh, finally, uh, I was in therapy at the time, and um, I went into the therapist, and... uh, and I said, what'd you think? And he was a Freudian, so he was a pain in the ass. Uh, said, Why do you grimace so much? And I went, oh my God. Because it was an hour show, single camera, you couldn't laugh at any jokes. Right. So I, I realized that what I was doing, every time we did something akin to a joke, I would grimace. How wild. To signal to the audience at home, it's okay to laugh. <laughs> what a stupid, stupid ploy. And I Well, I think you won an Emmy, so I don't think it was... Didn't you win an Emmy on that one? Sure did. A couple. Yeah, yeah, a couple. So there you are. Whatever you were doing, it paid off. Yeah. Now, did you really enjoy the... the I mean, who doesn't enjoy working? Working. Working is such a privilege. But um, working on uh, an ensemble and on television. Because you have to work pretty quick on TV. What's your favorite medium? I love acting? radio. Well, I'm I mean, so glad because we're doing a podcast. And we did a lot of radio shows together. L.A. Theater Works. We did yeah, many yeah, of those. You did yeah. many more than me. But I've, done, I've, done, I've done some stunning work on radio. You have. Well, you certainly I, don't have to worry about your hair or your, you know, no, makeup or no. anything. No, no or, makeup, no wardrobe. Or, or to do a, a book, to be able to do a book and do all the characters in it. Right. That's wonderful. Yeah. I well, then, it. then it brings you to the the um, Up movie because that's a voiceover. That's basically yeah. radio. I mean, in, in a I way. worked alone. There was nobody uh, other than the producers and me. But uh, I, I was able to. You get it. So, and then I first met you when you were our neighbor. You lived down the street. Yeah, up I, the street, I, not I, down the street. Or up the it was street. Up. Don't it's, you know which way is up? We're talking about up the movie. You can't remember which way is oh, up. Oh, I can remember this some is sad. No, sad is well, this. Movie sad is other things. This obliterated is sad. all other questions. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, up, up. Wait, Ed, why don't you ask a question if you're so damn smart? Not yeah, you, Ed, as, yeah, or Ed, as, yeah. Beglin. How much fun did you have in Europe on Not a Penny More, Not a Penny Less? You I have, had a marvelous time. I had one of the best times I've ever yeah. had in the show. This we is a movie Capra, you guys did. Yeah. We yeah. were in the south of France, Everywhere. of course. Everywhere. We were in 
Chichester and Henley and Oxford yes. and Portsmouth and all over. And you remembered was, all of that. Oh my God, was it a delight. And being yeah. with you, who I long admired to yeah. do a show with you for that length of time, not just oh. a little radio show, but to be there for months with you, was, it was fantastic. Who were the other guys with... Uh... Jean-Philippe Andron. Um, oh God, I can't remember... I can't remember their names. I knew their names as well as mine I for know, years, and now, forgive me. And then we saw... Uh, Brian Prothero. Yeah. British actor, Brian Prothero. Yeah. Jean-Philippe Andron, I think that was his name, the French guy. So what would you say, Ed Begley, that um, Ed Asner, his biggest influence on you has been in your lifetime? He influenced me, first of all, as a performer, to do better work, more meaningful work. I want to be like him and the work that I saw him do. There's many guest spots in his, you know, Mary Tyler Moore work and Lou Grant work. One his depth. The depth of it. Yeah. And then as an activist, I went, look at I didn't know anything about Central America. Learned that, learned about the other things that he was involved with, learned he was so credible when he talked about something that had meaning and he had his facts right. And so I became a follower. So I became an So He was acolyte. one of the first performers, actors. No, but he he knew how to do it. To the nth degree, I I was like a a pond skimmer. <laughs> Not so, but yeah. I'll accept whatever you say <laughs> as our guest. That, yes. You've been so kind to come here, Ed. We're just so grateful to have you. It's true, you've been a hero of mine for years as a as an activist and as an actor, and I'm just uh, grateful to know you. Lo, these many decades. Right. Well, you're my leader. Bless you. I'm and you were his leaderess. I am That's right. Leaderess. Yes, indeed. Well, you've we had know a... you have another thing to get to, yeah. and we're grateful that you're here. Well, and... how can people find you? So, so tell oh, yeah, us social quickly. Media or yes. Websites. Quince Productions, Q U I N C E Productions, at gmail.com. Twitter handle is the real Ed Asner. So send him messages there. Say hello. Keep up on what he's doing at the real Ed Asner on Twitter, and Quince Productions at gmail.com. You made me feel like a human being. <laughs> right back at you, a pal. Real you are an inspiration, an Ed. human being. as they say. Yes. Thank you, And he's man. off to another It's event. a mitzvah being here with you. Thank you. The man. nachas that you brought to I this day. I can't thank you enough. Thank you. You want a little nosh before you go? Oh, just I a, had it. I had it. Just a bissel. I'm bloated. I'm bloated. Okay. <laughs> I have to use your restroom now. You're allowed. Okay. Yeah. Well, Bless that you. just tells Asner, you that this podcast gentlemen. is over. Thank you all. Ed, this has been such a pleasure. Now, Let's talk about some of the lessons from this conversation. Uh, well, Ed Asner has a memory that's amazing. Extraordinary. Better than my memory. Yeah, it sure is. Certainly yeah. better Use than mine. Use it or lose it. He stays very active. He always has. He stays interested. Interested He's and active. He's curious. He's Take, a curious man. You should learn from this. I'm very, every day I'm baffled and curious about how you operate. So I'm believe me, I'm curious. I don't know how this works or... You know, I don't understand the mechanism going on. But anyway, he's a man of his convictions, you know. And he the, served time for every one of them. <laughs> Very funny to the to yeah. this day. Has a great, uh, you know, gift for gab. Um, but I, I did, I could spend hours listening to him because he, you know, he has a, a, a very full life. And he's certainly has given back to the, the world and uh, That's he's a bit lesson. stubborn. I will admit he has a, a stubborn streak in him. He believes he's not one to compromise. What I think is uh, the other takeaway for me, I, I think, is to, you know, remain active, to do things that are your passion. Art is very important, but right. so is activism. So that's been Absolutely. Uh, an equal passion for him. And you must live a life that you believe but in. But most importantly, have a sense of humor. 
He does have that. He's a yes. very funny man. Always was. Okay, folks, that's all for today. We hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we did. Make sure you subscribe so you can get new episodes. Do a little, do a lot. Just do something today and tell us what you did. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. Thank you to our executive producer, Tim Street, and producer, Emma Kikuchi. This podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com.